Oh, Bretto. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah? He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tons of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So, look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You mean forced? Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment. What do you mean, MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, Bretto. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now, all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection, four muesli or four assorted and get four bags per attendee. That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in best dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Damo. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, Thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings Primal Alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making Primal Living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Today I'm joined by Sharon Flynn from The Fermentary. I love Sharon's story because it really touches my heart in that it's very similar to my story. So Sharon's going to share with us how a health crisis brought fermented foods and generally the concept of food as medicine into her life and how that really changed and transformed um, their family's life, especially um, the health of their youngest daughter. And how then Sharon went on to um, want to share this with the world and turn it into a business, uh, selling fermented foods with her community and other mums at her school and how people would come around to her house and say, oh, can you just make an extra jar for me? And how she's now turned it into a really cool artisanal based, but yet totally, um, you know, in the cool restaurants in Melbourne, peak Melbourne <laughs> kind of company. So, um, yeah, we're g- you're going to love the episode today. Sharon has got a book called Ferment for Good, 
which is in its second round of print, we think, but it might be in more, uh, which you can get from lots of really cool bookstores as well as online. Also on Sharon's website, um, you'll be able to get links to her workshops, events and demos, plus heaps of recipes and instructions of how to do it yourself. Like that's Sharon's biggest message is um, how she can show people how to do this themselves and um, allow people's bodies to get used to fermented foods again because, right, it's ancient wisdom, right? So it's just about getting back to the foods that we evolved and thrived on as a species and, yeah, just moving away from the traditional dairy, sugar and wheat that is the bulk of the Australian diet. So you're going to feel really inspired. If you're a foodie or you've got a um, foodie business, then this is an extra special episode for you because we really do go down the rabbit hole of the food industry and I quiz Sharon about how her business looks, how she gets her stockists, does she ring them up for orders, all of that sort of thing, which I know is going to be really helpful to those of you in the food industry that are now listening, as well as, of course, all of the primalistas that are part of the Primal Alternative community. So um, before we dive into the episode, um, don't forget that I have my next online demo coming on the 26th of June at 11.30 Perth time. That's 1.30 Sydney time. And if you want to know what's in the demo, well, basically, I'm going to show you how you can take your passion for clean living and turn it into a home business, how you can become a local producer and part of a national network of other women who are doing the same thing as you. I'm going to show you how you can make grain-free foods um, and give them to your community so that you know, you can help other people who've got issues with their health, um, who need to move away from grains and refined seed oils and sugars. So in our range, we've got fruit toast, which you can get with Inca berries or goji berries. Inca is my favorite, but it's very dividing which one you like. We've got fat and seedy bread, which I know Sharon is dying to try and she's put already put an order in for some. And that's just got one gram of carbohydrates per slice and really um, GAPS friendly, FODMAP friendly, SIBO friendly, uh, as it contains no starches. Uh, We also have zucchini and pumpkin bread, which is our savory alternative to wheat breads. We've got pizza bases, which are a big hit with everyone, even fussy kids. And we've also got fat and seedy pizza bases, which are really cool if you want to keep low carb uh, as there's only four grams of carbs per base, rinka-dinka. We've got our grain-free cookies, which seriously taste like something your nana made. Nobody knows that they're grain-free and they're really perfect to have. You know, if you're going around somewhere for a cuppa or an afternoon tea and you know you won't be able to eat anything that's put there, well, you can take those cookies because it's not they're not weird. They don't taste too healthy and everyone can enjoy them. And the final product that we've got in our very streamlined range is jellies. So jellies have got a big punch of grass-fed gelatin and it's just a really cool way to get some digestive uh, lemon juice into the system, which really helps with your digestive tract in your system and some good gelatin in for your gut. And we're all about gut health. So if you want to become a primal alternative producer, aka a primalista, 
come and check out my online demo. Uh, that's on the 26th of June. I'll have details for it in the show notes. And you can get details to Sharon's website, Sharon's Instagram, Sharon's Facebook, everything in the show notes. So no need to pull over the car. Uh, everything will be there. But also head to primalalternative.com to check out the range. There's a demo that you can watch really quickly, just a quick 20-minute demo on the um, on the Primal Alternative website. And you can find out everything you need to know about becoming a Primalista. I also encourage you to join my Facebook group, Potential Primalistas. So if you're thinking about it and you just want to kind of scroll through, get loads of information, search for questions that you've got that have already been answered, then check out Potential Primalistas, really cool Facebook group. Now, I would love you to join in uh, the conversation in my other Facebook group, Primal Alternative Community. That's a great place for daily inspiration around food, movement, mindset, and lifestyle. There's daily hashtag themes, so you can really have a think about how to contribute and to share in that tribe, which is really cool. I'd also love for you to give me a five-star rating, give this podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. I didn't realize that I do actually have some, um, do have some uh, reviews, which was so exciting because I thought that, you know, maybe I'd get the odd one from mum or um, or something. And I'm just quickly trying to find a review. You can probably tell I'm doing something in the background. Love to find a review to read out to you. And the reason I want you to leave me reviews is so that this episode and this podcast will get further up the iTunes charts. And it just means that more people will be able to find out about this podcast and we can help more people reclaim their health. Okay, well, I couldn't find any reviews to read out today. So we'll get straight on with the show. And next time I'll be more organized. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the show, Sharon. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Me too. Me too. So let's start Mm -hmm. off with what you had for breakfast. Okay, today I had a small little ramekin of French onion soup from last night, leftovers. Well, that's and uncommon yeah. breakfast, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, that's why I laughed earlier when um, you mentioned it because I was like, yeah, today was a bit unusual. But I was at a meeting last night and I missed out on that soup and I'd made it during the day and I love it. So they saved me a little dish of it and I couldn't wait any longer. So that's what I had and it was divine actually. Maybe more people should have onion soup for brekkie. If you're stuck on breakfast, but just to think of every meal as a dinner and that's a perfect example that's right. of, yeah, of that. Well, that's right. Well, it had beautiful, really gelatinous um, chicken broth in it yesterday when I made it I was like oh you know this is this is going to be beautiful so it was chicken brothy but with a lot of onions and uh, balsamic and port in there so it's you know pretty rich for brekkie but it was I I loved it so Mm. what did you have uh oh oh no no one gets to ask me questions sorry what the hell (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) Uh, I had a really boring breakfast actually I had a sausage and I had a fried egg Oh, and a, oh, a quarter of an avocado and a coffee. There you go. Not bad, but not, nothing exciting. No, not, not bad. Not French onion soup. Excellent. No. 
I would have liked that. Mm. Hey, while we're talking about the food thing, before we get into your story, let's, mm. I'd like to know, you know, I ask all my guests what their opinion is on coffee and chocolate and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Seems like we're on that vibe yes. and we're talking about breakfast and that and usually involves coffee. What's your take on those three seemingly gray areas when it comes to health? Yeah, so, you know, if you look at my website, I'm always going on about and banging on about. It has to be delicious. So, for me, I know my products are really healthy, so I needed to focus on making them delicious so that people would naturally just really want them. So in my life, though, everything's delicious. Um, so delicious is it's good for me. So I, I love chocolate. I, I notice, though, I need to um, – there are certain times in my life, like regular times, that I'll go, I really need it. And even if it's bedtime, I'll be – I'll be wanting a piece of chocolate or something and I try and work out is that because I'm down about something and I need a little reward or is that an actual sugar craving and if I have those moments I really I'm aware of them and I try and be like no you don't need it but if it's you know it's seven o'clock and we've just had dinner and and my partner says you want a piece of chocolate I think that's good and we only buy good dark chocolate you know hopefully fair trade and organic and everything (laughs) but not always there's a really good one I like from Germany um, with marzipan in it and every now and then I get that and and scoff it actually Mm. so that's my take on that I love coffee we do drip coffee here my friend walked in the door the other day and saw me doing that you know pour over and she told me I was peak Melbourne (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we don't do drip coffee in Albany. <laughs> not sure what it is. I'm yeah. just going, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was like, oh, my God, are you doing it like that? You are peak Melbourne, blended <laughs> family, fermenters, drip coffee. Yeah, oh, oh. but I didn't realise. Mm. But it's slower, you see, so it's harder to have the second cup because you really have to do all the things and stand there and pour over. And um, So I love coffee and I think it's great. But this morning I didn't have a coffee. I had these mushroom tea things that I'm in love with, um, like adaptogenic mushrooms, and they are fantastic. So I'm, I'm, I'm really into those. So coffee is good in, um, well, I guess if you have one in the afternoon, you'd notice, wouldn't you? So I try and keep it down. And then alcohol, well, I do love alcohol. Um, I love wine so much. Helen. So not in a alcoholic way, but in a I'm really I really like yesterday when I was making the French onion soup, I was thinking what wine goes with this and Googled it and then went and bought a nice acidic rose actually. Um, because it was so heavy and balsamic. You know, so I do I, I'm a I'm a wine lover. Um, I think in another life I would have been a winemaker or a beer brewer. So I do love a beautiful beautiful glass of wine or two but I think stop it you know stop it two and have three or four days off in a row that I don't drink it I always feel better when I live like that um is that is that thorough that's pretty thorough that's isn't very it thorough. yeah it's, it's, you're like we're, we we could be best friends absolutely could sure, we yeah we have very similar opinions on both of on all three of those yeah. topics so yeah that's gold that's gold so tell us your- I do have I mean if you went on Sorry, if you went on my Instagram, you'd see last Friday I drank three bottles of wine with a girlfriend. We were celebrating something, you know, so that happens. 
you know, it's not like I'm an angel. Yeah, it is a difference. And I'm I'm all for a celebration. I think it's the most primal thing to get together and celebrate and kick up your heels, uh, you know, and that's fine. Like, and having three bottles of wine, what fun. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. But if you do that every night, (laughs) you're going to feel like shit. No. You know? So You really really can't (laughs) function, actually. You can't live a good life. Absolutely no. not. No. And the other thing is, if uh, what I find quite a lot of uh, my listeners um, ha- experience is, is probably the best way to say it, instead of suffer from. But you know, they they think right, I'll just have the two glasses of wine. Then on the nights when they do have those incredible nights out with their girlfriends, and they they knock back three bottles of wine between the two of them, then they go on this horrible mm. cycle of guilt. Oh, I failed. No. I might as well just uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeless. You know that cycle, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, like that, does that's it? no good. No, no. In fact, I think personally, guilt is. One of the worst things we could have around food and and living. That's why I'm always like, if it's delicious and makes you, you know, then that's that's why you'd eat something as well as it being healthy. If if you're eating well, and then the same as that, I wouldn't. Last Friday I was kind of like, whoa, you know. But then the next night I was like, okay, I have a glass. Um, and then it's by by Monday you're kind of like, okay, you need to you need to get your mind straight again and what you yeah. know have oh four days off, Shazza. Have a cup of tea night, Shadda. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as I make the cup of tea, funnily, it's equally satisfying. Oh, I love my tea You know? So you think, I really want a glass of wine. But, yeah, on the nights that I say no alcohol tonight and I make a cup of tea, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. Mm. Um, So it's just do that action, I think, if you – also, of course, I love our our water kefir. So we're big on that and have a big glass of that – if you're trying to abstain and you're finding that hard around friends, mm. then I'd, 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 I'd bring a bottle of or two of water kefir and, and see if I can live off just that. Mm. Yeah. Mm, great tip. So what were you going to ask I me? Was I was going to, before you like rudely about wine. interrupted me going on about alcohol, um, mm. what I wanted to ask yeah, you yeah. to indulge us in your wonderful story of how you got to be doing what you're doing now, you know, running workshops, events mm. demos you've got your you've got your book that's been printed yep. in its second in the second round of print now or has it moved on yep i don't even know anymore it it's probably so still i wonder them. if they would tell me yeah and you know you've got over um, fourteen thousand followers on instagram four thousand followers on facebook how did you get to ooh, yeah. check me out? I did. I stopped you. Um, let me think. Well, the business was just a snowball roll effect of different things that I'd done in my life. So my hobbies, my general tendency to always um, be quite curious about certain things, and they happen to all fit under the same umbrella of fermentation. And I'd, I'd moved around a lot because my dad was in the army. So as a kid, we um, – we moved every two years around Australia and, and Malaysia. And then um, so I think food became that was that that, that opened me up to, to different kinds of food. But um, as a young adult, I lived in Japan for about six years the first time, out in the country and nothing to do. Like that that's another long story, but pretty much made friends with some really old old women. And um, they had a little garden down the road and I would sit there and I would never have written home because back then it was writing home. It wasn't email um, to say I'm learning fermenting, but I, I was learning a lot of different food things and, and a lot of that was fermenting in your daily life, like the Japanese way. And I think it was quite 
prominent in my when I think about food now. It's mostly Japanese um, flavors that I stem from. Um, and then I moved again. We moved to America for five years. We lived in Chicago and Seattle. And each time I sort of got a different hobby. I was lucky I didn't have to work. I could look after my kids when they were babies. But I still had my own interests and they were in the kitchen, which was good for everyone, and bread making and cheese making and pickles and things like that. Um, but then we moved to Brussels and that was an awesome time, but my youngest got sick towards the end of that posting, which was like the third year there. And cut a long story short, um, after like a six-month sort of time of I didn't know what we were doing, what was going on. I was very vulnerable because she was really fading away. Um, somebody told me, forget what she's had, the virus that she had, and um, try and replace the bacteria in her gut instead. So we got a list. Are you there still? I'm here listening. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're all some listening. People keep, someone keeps calling me. I'm not going I know, I'm pressing go away, but it doesn't work. Um, so they gave me a list and everything on the list was fermenter-related. And I was just, and I wouldn't have said that either. I wouldn't have said those words. Oh, these are all fermented. It was just like, oh, oh, I used to, I know how to make me. So I know how to make um, all the different things. Natto I knew and um, sauerkraut and the pickles. I knew it, I knew how to do them all. It wasn't a foreign idea, like, oh, what am I going to do now? So when I moved back to Australia, I picked it up and I met a lady who had milk kefir grains and before that I'd only bought milk kefir off the shelf and didn't know um and then that was amazing to me I, I just loved that scobiness about milk kefir and how much better it was for you when you made it from the scoby and um I found that really interesting and, and then I got some water kefir grains from her too and uh, from a business side straight away I was lit up with I want to make this for more people. Mm. It was just a thought because I loved doing it and I was new in town. Um, my kids were at a school. I was working part-time at that school as well. And people saw the change in Lucia. So at the time, Lulu was craving simple carbohydrates and sugars. She wasn't eating. She'd lost a lot of weight um, and that made her really weak and sleepy, you know, um, amongst many things. And that when I put her in school, I put her down a year. Mm. So uh, when we we were new and everyone saw her, she's very tall. And um, within the three months of me coming here and settling and making the sauerkraut and getting into the milk kefir and water kefir, she changed. She chubbed up. She was brighter. And they put her up a year. Wow. And, you know, I had new friends then, sort of, or, you know, that I'd be going to become my friends and they would come over and see what I was doing and loved the drink. Um, we're in Macedon in the Dalesford Hepburn Springs area. So there were quite a few of them that were in the wine industry and they were like, you know, you could sell this. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And the first one, the first bottle I sold, it was pretty much my friend said, I'd pay $18 for that. And I'm like, no, no way. You know, I was all embarrassed at the idea. So I sold her one bottle for $18. Um, and after that, people would come over and they'd say, I feel really bad coming over, just taking sauerkraut. Can I pay you? And it just turned, it just really just turned into a thing where I started making more. I got a second fridge at the back, started putting that in there. People would um, just pop in. I had an esky in my boot at the car, at the boot of the car at the school I worked, and people could come and it seemed a bit wrong, but it was a country school, and they could come and take the water kefir and put money in. 
and uh, it wasn't a business. I didn't have an ABN or I wasn't even – I thought at most if I extended myself, I would get a market at the local farmer's market. I'd get a stall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was imagining a little bicycle with a fridge on it, you Gorgeous. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's why I was like, well, if I got some money, that's what I would do, you know. Um, but it just started turning into this thing because it started with Lulu being unwell. The people who were attracted to me and the business were people who knew someone who was unwell or they were unwell themselves or they'd read something about gut health. Because this is about seven years ago and the GAPS diet, I had the GAPS diet book, but there wasn't the common knowledge research that there is now. No way. So I did sound obsessed a little bit, you know, be like, oh, yeah, gut health, brain, gut connection, da-da-da-da. And um, I was well aware I wasn't qualified to talk about it really, um, but also that naturopaths that my friends would go to had no idea what I was talking about. So they would say to me, oh, I told my naturopath what you said and she said, no, she doesn't know anything about it and hasn't heard anything about it. So there was a two there was two layers there. I knew I wasn't qualified, but then I was like, no one else is onto it yet. Mm. Um, and so I would deliver the product and end up in people's houses with three jars of kraut, no labels or anything. Um, and then they would tell me all their woes, like their poo conditions, yes. their stomach aches, their, oh, you know, so many things. And it was like I was a friend. There was no way that I was a doctor, but they would just tell me everything. People call me up about their poop. <laughs> Sometimes it was like my toddler's had constipation since he was a tiny baby and we've never, we've tried everything and we had the water kefir and bang, everything's perfect again. Wow. Um, really simple, lovely comments from strangers who's, auntie had given them some or you know something like that Mm. so that was really rewarding but at the same time when I did I did a couple of um, workshops for people with kids on the spectrum and how to make your own always that I was always like I know how to make it and I know what it's done for me and you know here it is Mm. Um, but it kept this common theme was oh how much should I take at the end and it broke my heart really because I was like it's not you know food is medicine but all food we eat just like my onion soup or an orange or, um, you know, fruit toast, everything is good for you if you're not buying highly processed, you know, crappy food. Um, and the fact that they were looking at everything I just said and just condensing it into how much should I take, it was like, no, no, no. Now you have to learn to eat this. And um, what's missing from the Australian diet, which was very obvious to me after being in Japan for eight years and then the States and, and Brussels, we lack sour in our natural um diet that people eat here you know in general until recently so there was no sour there's vegemite there's lemons what else is sour sour cream there's not that That's about it is astringent it? sort of acidic yeah you know so really, we've just got the three dimensions of food in australia dairy mm, wheat and sugar there's, and that's it really yeah different combinations <laughs> of <laughs> Right, that's right. So it was really obvious after a few workshops and a year doing that, um, getting to know people and just wondering what the hell I was actually doing. Um, it was like, hang on a minute, if I if I was to make this a business, I'm not going to talk about the health benefits of this food. I'm I'm going to talk. I'm going to make it so delicious. People are going to buy it for that reason. Um, I feel like when I look back, I'm like, oh, you silly girl. That you know, you could have been a little more health oriented and joined the paleo or done something like that but I, I didn't want to I just wanted it to be really delicious and be a foodie and and attract chefs 
I'm like, that's where it will happen. If chefs start using it, there'll be photos in magazines. People will see the example. It'll trickle down and soon we'll all be eating kimchi, sauerkraut and all kinds of fermented vegetables and foods in, in our regular life. So that was the, that was the initial thought process. And then um, I had too many people coming to my house grabbing the krauts and I had it I was on 12 acres, single mum, then long driveway, got home one day and I had three pretty good looking actually pilots in my driveway. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I'd left the kids alone for a second to go to the supermarket. I was like, it's kind of not ideal now. Mm. So I asked the local health food store guy if he would, um, if I put people's names on it, if I could pop them in his fridge and then he could just give me a credit to the store because I was buying all our organic veg there anyway. And he was like, yeah, no problem. That was great. Um, at the time, I was making milk kefir with cow's milk, raw raw cow's milk and raw goat's milk. And, you know, I'd done a lot of research. That was the safest way to consume raw milks because any pathogenic bacteria will be killed out by the acidity and, and the milk and the bacteria in the natural milk kefir. Um so I wasn't. I was, I was pretty happy. I was getting it directly from the farm, and um, the in order to sort of go more public and put it into a store, we had. Um, and I was doing it with a couple of friends then, and she had her kitchen approved. Um, and he said, well, "Listen, I see you're doing raw milk, and we've had it tested. Really great council, actually. They came and got the um, products and took them." And tested them for free. At the time, because I was such a beginner, I thought, how lovely. But now I'm like, of course they were, dum-dum. You know, they're like, shit, this woman's making all this stuff. I better test it. Um, yeah, but that's but right. At the but time they, I thought it was normally, a generous move. No, but normally council would be expecting you to foot the bill to send it to a food lab. Yeah. To get it tested. So that is a that's really right. good council. And a good council to yes. approve a domestic kitchen for handling products like right. milk. Like, hello. Yeah. Really? Not low risk Well, he said, um, right? He said, um, well, you, is, as long as you keep doing this in a very small artisanal way that you're doing it, we'll, 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 we'll support you. So I was like, oh, that's amazing. But um, within, uh, within three months of that, we entered it into um, an, a magazine award. Just well, it's one of those ones Oops. that chefs nominate you for. <laughs> yeah. So we're nominated by a really prominent, well-known chef, Ella Wolftaska, and she loves, she's Russian heritage, and she loves the, the milk kefir. Mm. And I just, I sent it away not knowing. I was just like, okay, well, that's nice. How flattering, you know. <laughs> I'll send my milk kefir away. And at the awards, we didn't expect to win, but they had asked me to send up another bottle for a photo shoot. Um, and so we didn't win the dairy category. We instead won. So at the end, I was like, see, we didn't win. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> Started calling calling home to say we didn't win. And I knew it, you know. Um, and then they, just as I was on the phone saying that, they said, and we have a new, a new category this year. It's the um, best new product category. Wow. And it's the fermentary. Mm. Wow. And we're like, oh, my God. And then I was like, oh, shit, now I'm in trouble from the council <laughs> because I'm not keeping quiet about what I'm doing. So we pretty much dropped. And at the same time, that bath milk, I don't know if you had it over in Western Australia, but we were able to buy raw milk and it was called bath milk. Yes, we so used it was to get that a bit here. looser. Yeah. It was, but then they mm. put um, what did they put in it? Vinegar or something, so that people couldn't drink it. Well, now Just they have. Case. Yeah, now they've. Yeah. So, but back then it was looser. So it wasn't as nowadays. It's almost like worse than 
drugs if you get caught mm-hmm. selling it you know you're you're in big trouble the farmer get his place closed down so we wouldn't bother so we, we really stopped the raw milk thing we make it now just for chefs we probably only make 30 liters a week max not even um we get orders and we'll make it for the order just for a small group of people we've never gotten our dairy license or pursued the milk kefir because i like i said i didn't start the business with a real business plan mm. and at the time i was doing five different flavored of krauts three different flavors water kefir you know and doing dairy it was just another thing you had to get your dairy license yeah. and um, so you wanted to keep it straight everything was different so it didn't yes, become overwhelming was, right Mm. Mm. So you still. So that was sort of the business how it went. And sorry, sorry, Sherry. So you you've moved on now, obviously from the domestic kitchen. So you're where do you? What does your um, what does your setup look like now? Mm. Well, we went we went from the home kitchen to a beautiful little shed on the winery on a winery of a friend, and then we outgrew that pretty quickly, and we moved to a commercial kitchen that had warehousing underneath because as you grow. It's not just the production of the food. It will be the jars and the boxes and the lids and all of that, um, the logistics of it. We moved to another place that had that. And then we outgrew the kitchen, not the warehousing. Mm. So we moved. Now we're in an old abattoir that was shut down uh, in 1991. And we found it's on 80 acres out in Dalesford. We were getting our water from that guy anyway. He had a beautiful spring that's um, it's in Franklin Ford where Mount Franklin water originates. Yeah, beautiful water. We we're getting it from him, and he was like, "Hey, you know what are you doing?" And I told him, and he said, oh, "I've got this old abattoir, and it's enormous." And since then, we've attracted a few other food businesses, which has been nice. Um, we have a giant walk-in fridge, and then it's a huge hallway. Like it's just a lot of different size fridges, really, because abattoirs are like that, temperature controlled all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep the we keep the fermentary between twelve and eighteen degrees, depending on the room and what's going in there, and that's really easily achieved because it's all panels, fridge panel walls. That's so a pretty giant room, um, lots of room to grow, and then there's a I think we've got about six different rooms, but the main one is um, we have a giant. You know, we had to be. I feel like um, because I started with zero money and I never went and got a loan, I wasn't able to because I was a single mum and I hadn't hadn't lived in Australia for 20 years. Um, and I didn't do anything that now I know I could have done where you make a business plan and you tell the bank, you know, this is what I plan to do and they could maybe support you. I didn't do any of that. So every time I made a bit of a profit, I would buy a piece of equipment and um, we still pretty much function like that. Um, and I, we're, we've just brought on a partner this week actually it was really mm. exciting mm. and sure does feel good um to feel like you've got a bit of money in the pot you know it's just now going okay we've, now i can really function like a little bit more confidently mm-hmm. i guess yeah so i did you know when i brought roger on um which is a nice story. <laughs> he, I was getting busy and I got too many orders and I was, you know, taking hours. I was, I was meeting anybody, people like you. I'd be like, hey, you're a little bit interested. Do you want to come over and make kraut with me? We'll listen to a great podcast, you know, and try and make it quite <laughs> <Welcome>. fun. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right? People yeah. did. And um, I had some of those large wooden shredders that you see, the big German ones. Mm-hmm. And that was my, when, when I finally thought, because one of the teachers at school that I was working, I was working there three days a week that, I said, I've got this huge order 
and I don't know how I'm going to do it. Like, I don't think I can. They're like, don't say no. This is your opportunity to have a business, you know. You know, one of the dads at the school was a chef. You should ask him, see what he says. So that was Roger and um, I invited him along and he did within sort of 45 minutes what was taking me three, four hours. Very sexy, very Helen. cool. When you're when you're shredding, yeah, when you're shredding cabbage by hand and a wooden shredder by yourself, um, you know, he brought a machete and hacked away at the cabbages and bang, 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 they were all done. So I was like, oh, come back tomorrow. And he started, uh, he, started he looked at my shredders because I was like, I've got, I had three. And I sort of looked at him, I'm like, I can buy more. And he's like, that's not a business plan, <laughs> buying more <laughs> hand shredders. No. So we, we got a, you know, we got a few pieces of equipment slowly and now we look, we're still using that, that we, we were using those three years ago. We still have the, the same size shredders. Um, we did get a big stainless steel cement mixer. It's food grade um, for the pounding part. That's a great idea. Um, because, yeah, it was. I saw it in a coffee roasters here in Melbourne. I was like, hey, you know, if you're doing that, I can do that. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. And that's really the only equipment, you know, we've got bits and pieces, especially bottling line and lidding machine and labelling machine, things like that. Oh, so you've got so labels just step there. by step. That's good. You've got labels. Yes. Oh, yeah, we've got labels. <laughs> so we've had labels. We've had labels since. Um, that is so professional, so real. Um, we had them when I started going into that health food store. I just went to another dad at the school, actually. I was like, oh, you're a graphic designer. Can you quickly whip me up some labels? And um, they were based on the dingle dangle. We've got it. Our labels are uh, a tag, a swing tag. And that was because I had to pe- write people's name on it um, because they would order it and I'd take it in. And it started like that. And I'd write a little message to people. I really loved that connection. And now the label still feels like that to me because I've written something quite casual, the language that I've used and um, to talk about what's inside the jar and how to use it. I might be updating that soon because when I did those labels, it was still when people didn't really know why, why am I buying sauerkraut or mm what the difference between pasteurised kraut on the shelf that we've grown up with, you know, mm. and kraut in the fridge. And I just wanted to, felt like I had to do a lot of explaining. Now, less so. It's amazing mm. the change over the last five years. In it the, in has the been incredible it, it, and, and, and brilliant, you know, and it is programs, you know, like you mentioned before about when chefs get hold of it, but it is programs like My Kitchen Rules where, you know, pe- people like Pete Evans are coming on board and, and just making this bit more, mm-hmm. you know, into normal people's lounge rooms and making it a bit more mainstream, yep. which is which is just incredible. Absolutely incredible. So tell me, yeah. tell me a little bit about what I'd like to know, um, Sharon. Is what what your range looks like now, and how yep. many people you have working for you? What sort of size? Of All right. So we have. What, it's not very big. We have five different flavors of sauerkraut. So we have, and they're always the same. It's red 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 cabbage, fennel seed. That's it, and salt, of course. Um, and we're no, we don't use any starter culture in ours. So I'm always taking a stance that we don't need to. Um, and you get a very beautiful, crunchy, complex flavoured kraut that way. Um, remembering that I was always about the, the flavour as well. Um, so we've got, that's a simple one. Yeah, and that that goes well for FODMAPs people because red cabbage fermented and fennel seeds are under that banner. So that just happened to work out for FODMAPs people. Um, then there's the smoky jalapeno that's 
all about flavor. That was Roger's baby, actually. When I said to him, "There's, you know, let's do a jalapeno," I was thinking we're eating a lot of fish tacos. We're going through a fish taco stage. So, smoking jalapeno kraut would be good on this. So, there's that one, and then there's the plain kraut with caraway seed, and oh, we do a couple of other seasonal ones, you know, with turmeric and black pepper, or. Um, We've done a few foragey ones and Australian native ones, but the main three are those. And then two kinds of kimchi, which are traditional kimchi. We use the gochugaru powder from Korea and we use wombok, which is the Napa cabbage. We don't use green cabbage for it. And and it's we have a very loyal following from the kimchi lovers that buy our kimchi. They, they call and email and um, love it to pieces. And if you change anything, you know, they're onto it. Wow. Um, so we do that, and then we've got the water kefir that um, is pretty getting to be more of a serious operation the bigger we get. Um, and we just stick to five flavours of that, which is uh, we do a mojito one, which is mint. We do a little bit of cucumber in there, mint, cucumber, and lime juice, um, which if you put a bit of salt in it, tastes like a margarita. Sounds so incredible. good. Lucky I was honest about my alcohol situation yeah. before. <laughs> like, yeah, it tastes like that. It tastes like a martini. Um, and then we do a raspberry one that's really plain. I actually just did that because kids would come over and visit and they didn't like my ginger one, which frustrated me because I don't deal with fussy eaters as well as I could. So I was like, all right, I'll make one. But, you know, bring it on, challenge me. And I, the raspberry stayed because people love it. Um, so it's just plain raspberry. And then there's Vigan Ginger, which has always been the one I've started with. And then there's a beautiful burnt orange that we based on Kinoto, you know, the Italian bitter drink. Yes. yes and yes. then, yeah, it's beautiful. That's that's the that's going to be the winner this year, I think, this winter. I think people, we, we haven't really, really released it fully. It's in a couple of bars around Melbourne, but it's not on the general market yet. Um, what's that fifth one? It's a really good one. Oh. Strawberry and black pepper. Oh, yeah. So the, yeah. the premise with uh, water kefirs, we have three that are always going to be there and then we have two that we're using um, ugly fruit or fruit that was going to be composted because it was too big for the punnet. In the case of the strawberries, there's a farmer that we got in touch with that was, um, they said their little conglomerate of strawberry growers were selling 900 pounds a year and probably composting almost 900 pounds a year because the first three harvests, the, the strawberries are so big, you can only fit two or three in those plastic punnets. That's the only reason, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. Now, yeah, when they called, um, I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll give it a go. And I expected, I sort of warned everyone at the fermentary, you know, they're going to be a bit mouldy. We're going to have to, you know, be careful chopping that off. And apparently ducks had been at them. And I, I just didn't know what to expect, but I certainly didn't expect them to be so gorgeous and beautiful and perfect. Uh, yeah, it was shocking. I really love that you're doing that. So it's not like, right, this is my fixed business. Uh, you know, we need to source these ingredients. I love the way that you've got that flexibility in to take these, you know, you're just, you're solving a problem with the, you know, with the, yeah. we all know that food waste is such a massive problem. I love that you've got that flexibility and um, adaptability to do that because some of the people might just freak out, you know, be like, oh, my God, I can't change it. I can't come up with a new recipe and do that. You know, I love that. That's really yes. Well, I mean, yes, it's because I'm still small and artisan. 
um, if, if we made a soda, if we made a kefir soda that was going to be in coals or something, you wouldn't be able to do that. Mm. Um, just based on how predictable everything has to be, mm. how much time you have to spend testing it and getting your labels exactly right and all of that. But because we, everything's still handmade, we can do that. So if I ever got, if I ever decided to get really big, I would still keep an artisan range so that we had flexibility and my creative creativity is that's important to me I've, I've realized over the years I need an outlet mm. so if I was only doing the same things I'm doing right now for the next 10 years I wouldn't like it anymore so I need to be able to solve problems and you know do things like the strawberry thing um we've already got a farmer who has pears in Shepparton now the word gets around so like yeah yeah we can totally work with you guys and hopefully get they can get some money out of it and then we get cheaper fruit and we're, we're solving a problem and making a beautiful drink yeah it's, fantastic. it's good it's fantastic so in mm. terms of the size of your team now what what you see yes. is still small how many how many is small so hands-on at the firm like cutting and chopping and doing all that the work that we have three permanent part-timers um and they should be full-time you know it that that's what our next step will be at least one of them can come on full-time and then there's roger who was the chef that i got I brought in that time he's full-time he's the the general manager and um we actually ended up moving in together and blending our families oh so so we're the partner in all (laughs) in all aspects of your life yeah fantastic yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah he's full-time and then i'm full-time obviously but i tend to be more and more back end Mm. um these days and that's partly to do with that the fermentary is in Dalesford and we live in the city. Right. So a lot of the time there's things like what I'm doing now, talking to you, or, you know, I'll try and keep it to two days where I go, okay, Monday and Wednesday I'm going to be in the office and the other days I'll come to the fermentary. But lately it's been more and more me not going to the fermentary and then it's awful because I like being there. Um, so, it, you know, we've got a now, we've got a new little challenge because we really, I want to, I want to be there and we just have to set it up a bit, bit differently so that I can be, but, but they don't need me. No, they don't need you. You've got people doing it and, and you know, you're working more as the visionary of, on the business, aren't you? And looking yes. at where the business is yep. going. And so let, talking about that, let's talk about, um, let's talk about kombucha and what's happened. If you could explain to our listeners what's happened with kombucha and the changes Okay, so kombucha and water kefir, they're both, you, you, we make them with a scoby and that can be a little unpredictable for so many reasons, right? There's so many aspects of fermenting, what temperature it is, what, how much sugar you've put in, what fruit or what, what you used in your second fermentation. And uh, when you make them at home, you'll do whatever you like and you don't have to think too much about it because the alcohol is very low, especially in kombucha. Um but you get this beautiful, natural fizzy, which you'd know. Most of you people probably make their own kombucha on this podcast, yes. do they? Mm-hmm. Um, so you get this beautiful, natural sparkles, and, and water kefir really gets them quite easily. And it's a it's a beautiful and amazing part of the drink. I feel like it feels like a miracle because, if yeah. You ha- yeah, you're like, look at me, I made a fizzy drink, wow. Um, but the problem is the yeast that creates the, the carbon dioxide, the gas, also, cre- you know, there's no gas without alcohol. So it's only a small amount and it's functional alcohol. We don't need to worry about it. But um, the legal limit for what's a soft drink in Australia is 1.15%, which is pretty generous, really, 
1.15% and under, and you are a soda. But in Victoria and Queensland, it's 0.5%. So New Zealand and the rest of Australia are fine for, for beautiful kombuchas. Um, but if you want to make a business, you know, Victoria's big population, you generally want to be here, you need to stick to 0.5 and under. And there's no leeway to, for it to, to go up any higher um, with this law. So most – I don't even know a single kombucha. Um, there would be a heap of them Byron and markets and smaller businesses, of course. But anything you see in the fridge now is just a kombucha – kombucha as an ingredient – to the drink mm. and then the bubbles come from just like a soda stream like a giant factory style soda stream um and in order to make this because you as you all know then that when you that's not the end you know you put your your fruit in and get your second ferment you could leave it out for a long time and it'll increase to the point of being really fizzy and then obviously more alcohol. So people who have the businesses, they don't want that to happen, you know, for them to sell it to Coles or whatever, Woolies, and then all of a sudden three months later the alcohol's above the limit. So the sweetener that they have to put in there has to be a non-fermentable sweetener, which is xylitol and stevia. And Going back to me saying I want to make it delicious, there are ways you can use stevia that are delicious, but there's certainly a strong aftertaste if you don't use if you use it too much. And I can taste that in all of the kombuchas that stevia. And then also the gas is obviously force carbonated, and even that feels harsher than the the natural one. You know, so mm. you've got kombucha as almost like a cordial. And then you've got water and xylitol and stevia and the flavorings, and then you've got the gas put in. So it's what bothers me is that it's deemed as this super duper health drink, and by all means, it's healthier than Coke mm. and a lot of other apple juice, you know, that people drink. It's healthier than that, so great. But I didn't want to do it with my drink, and I nearly did because the water kefir is really um, talking about business. I mean, it's a better business model to have a product that only takes three or four days to make and that people will drink within one sitting. sitting. Um, kraut, on the other hand, not a good business plan. Six weeks to ferment it. <laughs> you, you buy a big jar. You're stays not going to eat the whole thing. Well, my family, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Stays. If you're a new kraut eater and you're not a paleo person who has to have it with your avocado and your breakfast and your Buddha bowls and all that, <laughs> then you're going to have that jar and it might get shoved to the back and then, you know, People are taking at least a month to eat a jar of crap, right? So that's not your ideal business. If anyone's thinking of doing that, uh, there's tons of other things you can do. Fermenting is a slow one, <laughs> a slow <laughs> return. Um, so Woodicathea was my baby, really, as far as going, oh, this is a good business. Um, but I couldn't really do it freely because I knew all these little things existed, you know, like the changing levels of alcohol and um, sometimes it'll fizz too much with the levels of bottle and that kind of thing. So it, we, we decided to go down the path of um, controlling it. But it was when the guy came in, he was like, we're going to measure the bubbles. There's nothing offensive about it, but I just felt sad. You know, I was just like, oh, that look what they've done to my song, Mark. You know that song? Look yes. what they've done to my song. It came into my head out of nowhere. I was like, yeah, they're they're taking it and changing it and ruining the beauty of it. And I don't want to, you know. So that night I was just like, you know what, we're going to get licensed and we're going to sell this drink. People will learn what beautiful water kefir tastes like. 
And then if you can only get a certain other one at BP stations or Coles, whatever, you know, you'll get that. But um, maybe at least there's, this is available on the market so as an alcohol. So it's sticking with your artisanal, um, you know, vibes. Like you're not really wanting to yes. be in the BPs and the Coles of the world anyway, are you? You're, what, no. What, what would you say no. your, like, uh, your places are where, where people would find your products? In my so in my end so this time next year for or hopefully, mm. um, well we are at aiming for the you know high end restaurants yeah, so we're in a couple in around Melbourne like the the well known ones, Andrew McConnell's group sort of Cumulus has it and Embla and the New South Wales Fleet are going to bring it on and a couple of really cool places in Sydney so we're aiming for about ten of those per city, um, just so it's available. And I have spoken to a few friends who are like, oh, if your original goal is, you know, for people to learn about it, you're only really reaching the foodies, you know, who can afford to go once a year to fleet. And I'm like, fair enough, you know, but you have to start the trickle-down effect somehow. Mm-hmm. We're also in some really high-end butchers and um, wine bars and then stores that sell alcohol. So a lot of health food stores that have a licence because they sell um, organic wines. We survive, we, we're still in those stores. Um, we went from about 120 stores to 20 pretty much overnight because of the decision to get licensed. But when we look at our P&L and the numbers, they're not that different to uh, what they were before we got licensed. So we're, we're selling the, num- the same amount but in less stores, which is a lot less work, to be honest. Well, that just sounds and, like um, you've really now found we need to spread out, isn't it? Like you. Yeah, and that's really interesting because, you know, yeah. first you said that, I was like, oh, my God, that nightmare. But really you've just found your yes. niche and, and just staying true. Well, kind to- of a – yeah, it was kind of a – was it – I felt like a nightmare situation to, say, Roger or the team when I was like, oh, I don't know which way it will go, how people are going to react. But it's not like it's a different product from yesterday. You know, I'm just saying this is how it has to be. And actually because we became licensed, we are able to um, – do that thing with the farmers and the strawberries because there's a lot more sugar in strawberries than raspberries, for example, and more sugar means more alcohol. So the the strawberry black pepper one is at about 2%, actually. It sits at 2%, 2.5% alcohol. So we're able to do that now. So I just put it on the bottle, you know, this one's a bit more and and, um, watch it. Watch out, yeah, watch out. And it just gives you that freedom to have that creative license that you, you crave, you know. Yes, it does. Um, yep. And I think maybe, you know, this time next year, I might look at doing something similar to what the kombucha people are doing. Um, I, I might have to because, you know, I have to pay the rent and we need to grow a little. And if I'm only going to stay quite niche and small, but we wouldn't set, probably wouldn't send this kefir to Western Australia, for example, because we're not selling the, the numbers, the units in order to afford that kind of transport. Mm. Um, so it, it's going to stay quite niche. And if we need to bring more money in, I'm, I might look at it. But I just wanted to give the original product a voice, you know, and and let it graduate or reach its potential. And then once that's happened, I'll be a little more satisfied and able to make another product that, that sort of also will point to this is great, but if you want the real thing, you know, you need yeah. to go get one from a licensed store. Yeah. Some of the stores actually even became licensed because of us, which has been really flattering and um, supportive. They've gone, nope, nope, I'm with you. I want real products and real food. I don't want everything to have to be tainted and watered down just to meet these food standards, which 
don't really apply to a lot of things anymore. You know, they were made a while ago. So they've been very supportive. It's been really lovely. And then a lot of our customers, you know, we're in a local a little butcher around the corner and they've only got a small cool room and fridge and they order 24 at a time, for example. He said there's a couple of people every week who come in and buy the whole whatever's left <laughs> and wipe him out because they've driven sort of 45 minutes. Mm. And I'm like, because I'll go in there and people say to me, hey, I can't find your product anywhere. I'm like, go to go to Oblix. They're just around the corner. And like, I went there. He's out. I'm like, hey, you have to tell me. <laughs> goes, well, someone just wiped me out the day you came in. And, and it's a nice feeling, but it's also like, oh, it's another it's another little problem I have to manage, yeah. the smaller fridge thing. Yeah, It's tricky, yeah. isn't it? Because I, I often get the, the emails from our customers saying, hey, I, I went, you know, drove 45 minutes to go to this store to get that product and it sold out it's like well did you tell the store that they need to order some more yes <laughs> no i'm telling you so <laughs> yeah they're i know <laughs> they're gonna believe you do more you than believe call me. that's that? true but do you call your stores regularly and say do you need another order this is a really good question because uh we were just <laughs> discussing this in our primalistas facebook group yesterday because i in an ideal world the primalistas want um stockists to ring them but in the real world, our stockists have got so many suppliers um, that we need to ring them every week and say, hey, it's big day. Yes. What can I bring in for you? What do you? How does it work for you? Do you find that as well? Well, I'm the same as Primalistas. I'm like, never made a sales call. Everyone's always come to me because that's how the business started. It started by word of mouth and almost, like I said, I, I had imagined maybe I'd have a farmer's market stall, never um, what I have what I have now. And I, not that I don't enjoy it, but it is packaging, boxing, freight, all of that. You know, it's a whole new um, thought process behind getting that out to people. And I haven't done that, but I know I need to. So it's this year, this is my new thing where I'm, um, I've actually just signed up with a PR, a woman who um, I got through Hardy Grant when the book came out. I was recommended by a friend that you need to get a PR person to help you with the launch. And when I had a meeting with her, she was like, what do you want out of it? What's your end goal? And I was like, oh, I want to sell more product. And so she's like, well, I don't need to work on the book then. I need to work on on getting the product out. So we're just about, we've just signed with her. It's a year later. The book came out a year ago. And I'm like, okay, I can afford it. So um, she'll help me push it and has written a system down so you need to call your customers every Monday afternoon, for example, just email email in the morning, if you don't hear back, call in the afternoon. Um, the stores do, even though they sound busy and annoyed, you're better off annoying them and saying, hey, you know, cutoff time is 5 p.m. tonight for an order for by the end of this week, just wanted to check in. Um, they'll appreciate it more, I've found, than if they run out. They do. And then they... Everyone they really do, and, and you're healthy. The producer. That's, that's so true, but it reflects badly on the stockist. So if if um, yes. they don't have any stock stock in, and a customer goes in, and, and you know the the owner of the shop doesn't have the product in, then they this reflects bad on the shop. So actually, ringing up and saying, "Hey, what do you want?" We're helping week? them. You're helping mm. them, and it's just that different mindset. You're not being, you're not hustling. You know, you're not pushing them. Yeah, no, no, they actually like it, even though. You might get a sales clerk who doesn't know what you're talking about and you go and hold and they get someone in, they say, I'm going to call you back. You're better off just doing like an email in the morning and then a follow-up call at about 2 p.m. and then, you know, when lunch is over, quiet time. And then um, that's better because also this, the, the sales team at all the stores, if they're out of fermentary crowd, they're not going to say, 
oh, it's because we're really shit at ordering. They yeah. usually say something like, yeah, we can't sit. They, it's really hard with the cementry. They can't seem to get their shit together. They say yes. things like that yeah. instead of yeah. it's our fault. And then we look bad, you know, and I'm always yeah. like, we, we're here. We have, you know, we're, we're ready. Yeah. Just order. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I feel like that's what happens. It, everyone passes the ball on to someone else and blames them. So it, you are better off for your own sake to have product there. Also, they'll buy a, a different brand then. They're not going to oh, – some people will go, oh, well, I really wanted the fermentaries. That's my favourite. And they'll call me, which is a bit annoying, and they'll be disappointed. They'll message me. I don't even know – that. Do you get a lot of that? Because I've never messaged a producer, but we get a lot. And I love that they do, but it's kind of like, oh, my God, people will say, did you use a different chilli in that home sheet because it tasted <laughs> different this month? Or like, wow, a lot of people. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, they'll buy another product, of, you know, yeah. and maybe they'll turn over and then start buying that brand. Mm. So you really have to. Ring your stockist. I sound as though I'm an angel and I'm really on top of things. I'm not. <laughs> but it is my new re- new resolution from, you know, this June. I'll say June. Yeah, the new financial like, year. Because we're, we're already mm-hmm. May. It's like, you're like, this year. I know. I'm going to do this. Oh, shit, it's May. Okay, right. Well, yeah, yeah, right. What happened to that? That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. So I, I'm going to. I really like your system, you. though. You like. Oh, Thanks. Mm. Your system that I looked online, I was like, wow, you've got lots of people making it. That's beautiful. It's very different. And uh, it really solves that problem that you both you and I had around, mm. I want to be a mum and I want to do something that I'm really into. Um, but, you know, and I want to stay at home. I want to have a business. I want to stay at home. Like, it just really solves that yes. problem. But instead of, you know, all of the you know last seven years of your work and the last four years of my work, all of the stuff that we've gone through, you know, with the everything, all of those. Oh, my gosh. The stuff yeah. that gives you grey hair, like all of that's done for my um, It's taken care of. Well, it's like a franchise. It is. Well, it is a franchise. It's a franchise. Yeah. It's a franchise. Yeah. yeah but, um, bit well, that's how I thought the fermentary would grow because oh. that's the only way for your product to, to remain artisanal, like isn't that. it? Because it's being made small scale. So you're keeping – you're making a large product, but uh, you know, artisanally. So it's pretty lovely. Maybe you could learn. We should keep in touch. Mm. Maybe you could learn from me too. Yeah, could create totally. Create I was just telling you, I can't make for for women. Mm, there's so many. People, I'll make it here. Yeah, yeah. There's so, there's so many people like who are in who are into fermenting. Like so many mums that have got you know, like you use, like you probably still have things bubbling bottles bubbling away in the kitchen and like when you said yes. when you're talking about all your amazing products you're like yeah we can't get that to wa i'm like oh mm. why should well, we have to it. miss yeah. out <laughs> but, I, but the thing is and this is you know what i like about you as well you're saying you want to show people how to make this so they can have this food in their everyday life yes. it just becomes you eat it because it's delicious and you 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 tune back into what your body needs and you're like oh i really need a double spoon of sauerkraut today or today i don't want any sauerkraut or i really feel like some mm. kombucha that's what you're you're trying to get back into isn't it so you're tuning into your, body, mm. your body's um letting you know what it wants but um what was gonna say it's totally gone blank all of a sudden oh yes so what, I, what I'm just going to finish up on, what I'm just going to finish up on is when you do your workshops and events and demos, do you find that people mm. just say, "Look, this all looks great, Sharon, but I just don't have the time." Is that why you make? Well, it did. Uh, yeah, early on, that is exactly what happened. I didn't want to start this business. Um, I had no idea about businesses as a teacher, you know. So I was like, "This is how you do it." That's how workshops started for me. 
Um, but then they would go, I'd rather even friends who really acted like they were listening and they really keen to do it, they'd come back and say, I just can't be bothered. And I know you're doing it. Can't you just make an extra one? <laughs> so that is, that is how it is with everything. You know, you're like, I'll, I'll solve the problem. I'll solve that problem for you by making it and selling it. Um, and the book, the book was to solve the problem of um, making the recipes more available. But as I was writing it, I was like, no, I knew from all of the workshops that I did what people were thinking when they read the recipe, like, yeah, but how, but I'm scared. And so I made sure to uh, write it in a really, in a way that makes it really accessible and not frightening. And like, this is super easy. Um, and I, I think it's worked. And I've had feedback from the book is that, uh, they become more confident in their other cooking in their in the kitchen as well because I'm sort of like you know it doesn't you don't have to be doesn't perfect have to be and perfect. this yeah. is not perfect yeah this is people have been doing this before electricity mm. well before um, a lot of modern conveniences you know well before we even thought about calling bacteria germs you know mm. so let's just relax here and uh, trust the symbiotic relationship we have with this kind of bacteria that's in your body, on your body, that your baby needs, that, that your gut craves. And particularly with ferments, your gut will tell you what it wants. And I started saying that earlier that Lucia only craving the simple carbs. Yeah. Within three three to four weeks of having the milk kefir and, um, you know, me really focusing on her diet, she was craving the water kefir and the milk kefir and all the right things. She would come to my room and 6.30 in the morning and say, hey, mum, can I have my drink? You don't have to <laughs> get it, I'll get it, you know. And, yeah, yeah I was like, oh, my. And I don't know if, if anyone's – people who have had to care for somebody and felt vulnerable in that and you're giving them medication, that it feels like shit. And then you get to do something like make a beautiful meal or make food, like you, your breads, and see that – as a positive thing, it's really empowering. Mm, it's um, such a good for feeling. the person. Yeah, yeah, yep. And solving an issue, and then just going right. You know, I I can't believe I'm seeing that something that I read about in theory come through into my little five year old yeah. who's going from not wanting that pasta anymore with tomato sauce on it, um, which you know I was a foodie. I wasn't really naturally feeding her crap like that, but that's what she really wanted at that time and she was skinny so I had to give it to her then now she'll eat kraut and kimchi and you know she sells all the food we we're gluten-free over here for her and everything I make you know really started for what I had to make for her and it's just built on that and it had to be delicious for her no, it's well. Yeah, if, if it's not del- like it, yeah, that's a funny thing. Like that could be another mm. podcast in itself. Like if it's if it's not delicious, <laughs> don't even bother. Like you know, food mm. eating is a wonderful sensory experience that we get to have three, four, five times a day. Like why would you bother with anything yeah, that wasn't delicious? That's nice. Anyway. You and I could talk for a month of Sundays, but I am very aware of your time, Sharon, and, and you are incredibly Thank busy. you. And doing everything that you do and being a mum and having a blended family and everything else, <laughs> you have got your book, Ferment for Good, your workshops, yep. events, and demos. So tell us where, where can we get your book if we want to get started and how can we find out about you know coming to one of your workshops? Yes. Okay. So the book, look for the bright blue book. It's, um, it should be in good bookstores, hidden away in the 
you know, little fermented section. Um, a lot of a lot of bookstores have it. I even saw it at the airport. It's still at the airport bookstores, which is fun. Um, online, of course. You can get it through me, but to be honest, we don't have this great free shipping option. So it's always I'm, – I'm always very flattered when people order it from me. I do write a little note in there, but um, it costs more than if you'd bought it from Book Depository with free delivery, of course. So, um, And our workshops, we're just about to post the next six months of workshops on our website. So if you subscribe to the website, I have to admit I haven't sent a newsletter since November. Ba-boom. Which is really bad. <laughs> so subscribing to Don't me will not take me on life. <laughs> oh, she's aware. She's like, I mean, that's the next thing on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will, as soon as I get that up on the like the website, I'll tell everyone via Insta and Facebook, but I'll also send out newsletters. Um, and I do travel. So I went to New Zealand a couple of weeks ago for two weeks doing workshops and there'll be, there'll be you know, it's not just Melbourne-based. Um, it's my favourite thing to do is to talk about how to do it at home. So I love the workshops. They're, they're, they're pretty real for me. I love it. That's awesome. And before is that, oh, Am I answering all your questions? You are, you are. But before you go, Good. just let us know what, how can we find you, what's your website and what's your Facebook and Instagram? Oh, yeah. Okay, we're at the fermentary. And the fermentary is with an A-R-Y at the end, fermentary. Um, the fermentary on Facebook. What's really... I, that's a Facebook page and then I have a little group called Fermies. So if you're an avid fermenter or you already have the book and you've got a few questions, you go in there and they tend to be people who will answer on my behalf if I'm not there. Um, it's a really small group. I just started it recently. It's probably only about 60 or 100 people on there. I like that group a lot. Um, a way of staying in touch with people who come to my workshop. Um, whatever, Insta, Facebook, website is just thefermentary.com.au. It's a gorgeous website. I love I love the way that you write. It's so oh, thank you. It's just so really not pretty, not not um, corporate. Not you know that it's just like yeah, yes. it's just me, just dead casual. <laughs> I really like that. It's really. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think my PR chick called that stream of consciousness writing. She's like, we've got to sort of change the stream of consciousness writing. <laughs> like, Don't change I, that. I, I, no, I it's like because it. you know when That's you move, you. you've obviously moved. It's right, it's me. But you know when you move a lot. You, I'm trying to tell my friends in all the different places I've lived what I'm up to these days. So I just think of them when I'm writing. I'm like, Perfect. basically, this is, and that's how I wrote the book too. I was like, how can I convince these people to like it as much as me? Mm. Because I want everyone to, whatever I'm doing, even if it was knitting, I want everyone to love it too. <laughs> it's just like, you know. <laughs> Enjoy your, like, share your enthusiasm. That's so great. Everyone was going to do it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. All right. Well, I'm going to let you get back to your, um, I think your washing machine cycle sounds like. It's- Can you hear it? Sorry. Well, it right. is. It's ending. <laughs> but it just it's goes, towels. You know, like, A lot of towels. Inspirational successful foodie mamas at home doing podcast interviews while the washing machine's on. I mean, that's just the reality of, of our lives, isn't it? It is true. Sorry, everybody. You can hear that. No, yeah, good. A lot of towels in this house. If anyone's got, you know, answers for how to stop that, I'd love to hear from you. I was just bitching about it to myself this morning. It's like, how can this be again? I know. It's the same with the dinner. They want that every night too. But, yeah, even sh- successful Sharon from the fermentary has to do the washing. So there you go. We're all we're all in this together, girl. All right, Sharon, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And we'll hang out again soon. Thanks, Bye. Helen. See you. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. 
What is the ramifications for you if you continue to not know where your food is coming from and not make a hard stand about what you're consuming? Back in 1992, I didn't know how to cook. In fact, I ate really poorly, as many of you know. But I now love it so much that when I go to prepare something, it becomes magical. Don't want you to be stuck in the, the crap that's happening. Know it, yes. Be aware of it, yes. But bring your vibration up so that we can vibrate at a higher level and collectively, we might be able to bring everybody up to make those changes. I love preparing it. I know that everyone who's eating it absolutely loves it. Even the bits that they don't want to eat, they love eating them because I love making them. Does that make sense? Cindy O'Meara and Damien Christoph feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.